Hey everyone, welcome to Hit the Apex Podcast. It's Jawad here as always. Thank you for joining me this week. In the middle of this triple header, heading into the final race this weekend in Qatar um, before a little week's break, um, and then heading into the final two races of this season. Going to wrap up the Sao Paulo Grand Prix here for you this edition. I was going to say this afternoon, but it's actually um, 10 to 10 in the evening. Recording a little bit later than normal um, this Thursday. Ended up going on a little day trip with the lovely misses so first time outside of metropolitan melbourne since the lockdown lifted or since back in april i believe so nice to explore the countryside a little bit and um you know breathe in some fresh air (laughs) rather than the polluted stuff that we do in the city anyway moving it on so yeah a lot to talk about from the sao paulo grand prix another twist in the championship battle between Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen, um, title battle boiling over, and intriguing heading into these final three races, as it were, um, with the title not really, you know, you don't know, it's it could go either way heading into the final race, and that's what a lot of people are kind of prophesizing, seeing some people do equations and scenarios and whatnot, you know, what would um, have to happen in these next two races to see both Hamilton and Verstappen go into Abu Dhabi on equal points and such, and it's just been a bit of a giggle, but yeah, you know, at this stage it is still very much, in my opinion, you know, may the best driver win, and hopefully it will come down to that, and not the shenanigans that we see, or what we saw over the weekend in Sao Paulo, a lot of bickering and moaning going on outside or off the track, you know, between the team principals, Christian Horner and Toto Wolff there for Red Bull and Mercedes respectively. Um, Racing incident, you know, what occurred on lap 48 there between Max and Lewis, Max going off um, uh, or taking Lewis off as well, you know, into the runoff, you know, in, in defense whether he should have turned in a bit more, you know, the the onboard footage that they got after the race showing that Max didn't really put in much effort to, to make that corner as he would normally, and then that being branded a racing incident by race control, Mercedes now exercising a right of, right of review into it, you know, whether that's actually going to see some kind of um, overturn, I doubt that's going to happen. A lot of people will come out and say, oh, you know, this is not fair, you know, from, from Mercedes' side of things, and, you know, it's been, it's been like that all season, you know, with the way, um, decisions have been made off track, uh, some have suited Mercedes, some have suited Red Bull, so it's, it's, it's up for debate, really, you know, it's a topsy-turvy situation, but, you know, at the end of the day, if the championship is decided by, you know, the best on-track performance come the end of the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, then I think we can say that we've had a satisfying um, 2021 season. So without further ado, let's get into the weekend itself. And it was a difficult one for Mercedes, you know, not speaking as, you know, if I'm a Lewis Hamilton fanboy, which I'm not, you know, I respect the guy and everything, as, as you guys very well know. If you listen, um, if you've listened to me over the years, 
he put in probably one of the best weekends as far as recovery is concerned, you know, and the whole seven-time world champion thing as well, you know, that's the quality that you get from a seven-time world champion when your back's up against the wall and this is the performance you deliver. It's not, you know, a lot of people think, oh, look, Hamilton, Mercedes, they're so complacent, you know, because they win all the time. This was not a complacent effort at all. This was um, pretty spectacular and the way it started is, you know, they head into the weekend saying, yeah, we're going to take a five-place grid penalty for um, changing our internal combustion engine again, which, you know, has been a matter of reliability for Mercedes over the past few races. And we saw Bottas take so many penalties um, in previous races just to get fresh components into his um, pool of power unit bits and pieces yet for Lewis you know same story they knew that they were going to have to do it Brazil they thought would be the best place because they could overtake here but throw on top of that being disqualified from Friday qualifying because of course this was a sprint weekend because their rear wing was found to have been in breach of the 85 millimeter limit I think it was like two millimeters was the um difference and that was found to have been breach, ended up being disqualified from Friday qualifying, in which he was the speed king, as it is known um, for for Friday. If you fastest in the Friday qualifying, going into the sprint and sent to the back of the grid for the sprint. Not only that, for for Lewis, we saw Max Verstappen getting a bit touchy feely with the. Um, rear wing of that Mercedes and Park Ferme after that qualifying session. Um, and the thing was, neither of these two incidents or um, matters had been resolved on the Friday. We go into Saturday with, you know, both drivers, I think, being summoned to the stewards. Uh, Max was given a €50,000 fine for touching and inspecting that rear wing of Hamilton in Park Ferme, whereas Hamilton was given, I think, a suspended fine, or I'm not sure if they got fined at all, but starting from the sprint from the back of the grid in P20. And then that's where, I guess, you know, the on-track champion stuff came in because he raced back to finish in fifth or to qualify fifth for the race, while Valtteri Bottas claimed pole ahead of Max Bottas, deciding to use the soft compound tyre in the sprint, which only he and Carlos Sainz, I think, did, and both did benefit from it. Sainz ended up uh, starting third in the sprint, or sorry, qualifying third at the end of the sprint to start third in the race. Max in second, but during the race, Max actually beat Bottas turn one. Obviously, it was going to happen. Bottas hasn't had the greatest starts in recent times. And not only losing the spot to Max, he actually lost a spot to Checo Perez as well, going wide um, on the first lap and losing P2. But Hamilton, of course, Qualifying in fifth at the end of the sprint, still had to take that five-place grid penalty with the um, ICE change. Started down in sixth for the Grand Prix itself and then was up to sixth at the end of the first lap. We saw Carlos Sainz, unfortunately, get into a bit of a tangle with his old teammate Lando Norris there at the start. Lando getting the better start, trying to go on around the outside, um, but found himself squeezed by a Ferrari and the wall to the right there, so ended up with a puncture um, with him out of the way as well, sadly. Um, 
Hamilton was up to as far as fifth and then gets ahead of Leclerc. So it was he and Bottas and then Mercedes pretty much just said invert the positions as they do because they, you know, don't like using the word switch positions or let him pass. It's 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 invert, you know, inverts. Not, it's not a fancy term or anything. It just sounds very more polished and professional, I feel. So invert the positions, Valtteri. Yes, invert the positions he did. Anyway, so after that, you had a safety car come out because there was debris from a little incident between Yuki Sonoda and Lance Stroll. Sonoda being a bit too ambitious, I thought, in that instance, ruined his race and also Stroll's race as well. Stroll finishing, or didn't even finish the race, I should say. Sorry, um, he shed some debris later on before he retired, where Sonoda was down in 15th. Um, not a good day for him. And Alpha Tauri, really, I'd say, you know, in the grand scheme of things, with their championship battle with uh, Alpine, they are still tied on points, which is a bit, you know, given Pierre Gasly's solid effort, again, finishing seventh in this one, um, ahead of both Alpine cars, yet with both Alpine cars in eighth and ninth, he did um, only score enough points to keep them tied on points heading into the next race. Anyway, back to the front now. After that safety car, we did see the Red Bulls bolt um, until a virtual safety car came out on lap 13 for some debris that the Haas car of Michael, not Michael, fuck. <laughs> I knew this was going to happen at some point this season. I'm sure others have made the same mistake too. Mick Schumacher. Oh my God. I said Michael. Oh no. Oh no, um, I'm not going to cut that out, you know, I don't really cut things out anyway, <laughs> keep it all real and raw. Um, Mick Schumacher, unfortunately, he got tangled up with Kimi Raikkonen and ended up littering a bunch of debris. There was actually a funny meme going around about um, Schumacher's or Haas trying to use, instead of, you know, having the front wing as it is normally, they're trying a new perpendicular design um, of aerodynamics, so that really went well for them, um, and poor Kimi Raikkonen as well, uh, kind of losing out on opportunity to maybe get into top 10, who knows, um, after that, we had Hamilton pass Perez, pitted on lap 27 to pretty much trigger the start of the strategic stuff, Max in the next lap to continue leading, Max basically saying we've got to try and undercut them next time, we shouldn't be undercut by them, um, had another brief virtual safety car for debris from Stroll as I said earlier, and this allowed Bottas to actually capitalise because he came in, did his pit stop, and was able to get track position over Perez. Um, then heading into the second phase of stops, so everything kind of held station in the time between first stops and second stops. And then second stops, we saw Red Bull decide to undercut Mercedes on lap 41. Uh, Mercedes very surprisingly bring in Bottas next. You know, even though he pitted later than the rest for his first stop, now he's in for his second one. And he was a bit unhappy about that because he thought they could one stop on the race. Don't think that was possible, really. And then Hamilton as well coming in on lap 44 saying he wanted to go onto the medium tyre and he was unhappy when he came out of the pits with a hard tyre. But what are these? 
drivers know about their tyres, really. <laughs> Luckily, it's the team you make the call on that. Um, on this occasion, they made the call on that because, yeah, obviously they made it to the end of the race with the hard tyre and also within range of Max. And he was closing in on Max for a couple of laps before that lap 48 incident. Um, stewards, as I said, decided that no investigation was needed, yet the next lap, or in a few laps time, where while this was all going on, there was a black and white flag shown to Max for weaving down the straight, trying to break the slipstream on Hamilton, that's obviously not allowed as such, and then by lap 59, we see Hamilton make that pass into turn four with DRS, and get the job done, so you know, from essentially starting, you know, the weekend on the back, not starting the weekend on the back foot, let me rephrase, coming into the Saturday sprint with a 20-place grid drop, you know, starting from the back of the grid, then add five-place grid penalty for the Grand Prix, you know, so let's just say he's had a 25-place grid penalty this weekend, to come back from there and finish first, you know, it's not going to be a whole thing that you hear about, oh, it's just the car, the car's good, you know, it's got nothing to do with the driver, that was all to do with the driver, I feel, and, you know, they would have tweaked the car in certain aspects, and Mercedes, you know, they've they've really got more performance out of this car in recent races, which, you know, has Red Bull worried, of course, you know, that's why they went hard into, you know, talking about the the rear wing, and, you know, Max obviously intrigued by it, seeing whether there was some kind of flexing element into it, you know, flexi wings coming back into it uh, later in the year, even though there were, there were a thing earlier on in the year, Barcelona, or whatever they were outlawed by, so so that's what I kind of mean by, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on, going on off the track that, you know, is creating a lot of drama and in, in intrigue around this championship, <laughs> so there we go, but Hamilton putting in the performance, best, one of the best performances I think we've seen from him across the whole weekend to win this race. Um, the points, though, still in Max's favour at the end of the day. So, you know, the Constructors' Championship has gone back into Mercedes's hands for now, but in terms of the drivers' standings, it is still a 14-point gap. No, there was no glitch there. That was just me trying to do some maths in my head quickly. I should really have all this stuff written down in notes, but you know, I just do the, I just have the point standings in front of me from from my live blog notes, and I just yeah have to work it out in my head. You know, maths was not really my strongest suit, as you can tell. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, so. A lot of people obviously upset with uh, the stewards' decisions, Hamilton fans, and, you know, the commentary team for Sky was pretty pretty poor as well, I've got to say. Um, with the whole thing, you know, they wouldn't stop going on about it through the whole race. They're like, we need to see the onboards, we need to see the onboards. Like, there's other stuff going on, guys. Let's, let's do this after the race, you know, let's focus on um, other parts of the race and let this one finish. But no, they they obviously just decided they want to like 
really get the love out for Lewis Hamilton this weekend. So we'll see how that goes um, into the final three races. Checo, though, put in a decent effort, I guess, even though he didn't finish on the podium. Um, Red Bull pitted him right at the end on the penultimate lap for a set of soft tyres to go out and steal the fastest lap from Mercedes. Wasn't like what Bottas did last time out in Mexico where he didn't score points. He Checo was in the top 10, finished fourth, and ended up getting the extra point for faster slap. Um, behind them, of course, the Ferraris unchallenged in fifth and sixth, despite the Carlos Sainz incident at the start with um, Lando Norris. But yeah, Leclerc and Sainz putting in a great effort there. And very sad for, you know, <laughs> as I'm wearing um, my McLaren t-shirt talking about this because, you know, it's two races in a row now where McLaren have only scored one point each and Lando doing his best to hang on there in 10th. But Ricardo, unfortunately, having a loss of power and um, ends up retiring from this one. And the points difference or differential difference now it's 31.5 and you know it, it might seem like a lot but in constructors championship terms especially if you're at that pointy end of the grid um it could be one good race or two good races and then you're back in there so yeah like hearing McLaren talk about Andreas Seidel say you know like they're not going to feel like it's too bad if they don't finish in third this year you know they know that they haven't got the maximum out of the car that they would have liked to in these last few races, but just, you know, the progress that they have made overall this year kind of outweighs um, not beating Ferrari, and again, at the same time, Ferrari is a team that haven't had to bounce back from too much of a low when you look at their performance relative to McLaren in the last, you know, five years or whatever. You know, Ferrari were in title contention three years ago, you know, and were still um, finishing or, like, getting podiums in 2019. They won two races in 2019, albeit with a mildly illegal engine. But yeah, you know, last year was probably the lowest of the low for Ferrari, which was nowhere near as bad as the lows that McLaren have had in recent times. But yeah, it's very tough, I guess, as a McLaren fan to swallow the pill of the last couple of races so hopefully heading into the last three we can expect some better results and as I said there Gasly solid P7 ahead of the two Alpines but the points still tied between those two in the Constructors Championship for fifth 112 points each there and then when you look behind Aston Martin really you know not not anywhere they're <laughs> almost half the points behind um Alpha Tauri there and they're comfortably ahead of Williams and Alfa Romeo so we won't expect any surprises there at the end unless somehow they magically win a race who knows it's not going to happen it's not like they're going to get rain in the next three races where they're heading out into the Middle East so yeah you know other than that what what else to talk about from Brazil from Sao Paulo I mean, great, great seeing the crowds again, great passion. Um, I don't want to sit here and, you know, pretend like I am going to dissect the little frame-by-frame, you know, thing with the turning the wheel and Max at turn four. It's like it's there, it's done. Mercedes are going to try and review it, but I don't think anything's going to come of it. Let's just move on to the next race and see what happens. You know, the points are still close to call. Max might have a bad race this weekend. Who knows? You know, 
and the points will swing back into Hamilton's favour, for example. So there's just a lot that's gone on this season where, you know, Max could easily be 30 points clear, for example. But when you look at the incidents, and not even of his own making is the problem and is the thing. You know, normally people are like, oh, you know, Max crashes and, you know, is aggressive and does all this random stuff. But this year it's largely been other things you know you go back to to Baku it was the tire at the end of the race while he was leading Silverstone taken out at the first corner by Hamilton Hungary taken out at the first corner by Bottas uh so you know and then Monza as well so they are four races that Max easily would have scored 100 points from or could have scored um 100 points from as a maximum you know or when you add in fastest lap points or whatever 104 um points from so it's it's not been the easiest and of course not entirely his fault either so you know and kudos to Mercedes and to Hamilton for sticking with them as far as they have and you know getting to this stage of the season where yeah, you know, if they are bringing upgrades to the car or finding more performance, it is at the right time because this is when where Mercedes can make or break you, as I've said in previous seasons where the second half of the year is where they really, you know, go for the jugular and for them it's taken up until this part of the season where the last three rounds are here um, that they are trying to do that. So... Yeah, as I said, may the best driver, may the best team win from here. Let's not get too too caught up in in celebrations yet, or getting behind a particular particular camp in that instance. Sorry to sorry to all my mates out there who are either Hamilton fans or Verstappen fans. They'll they'll won't they won't like me very much for saying that. But anyway, um, let's look ahead to the Qatar Grand Prix though. Um, this weekend, five point three kilometer circuit. 57 laps, very much like the Bahrain circuit, um, or the Bahrain Grand Prix, I should say, but overall, new circuit, new challenge. Hearing things like, you know, it's not going to be very good for overtaking, it's um, possibly even going to throw three-stop strategies at us, which I doubt is going to be the case. They always figure out a way to do two-stops or even even go for a one-stopper, but... I'd say two-stop is probably more likely in this instance. The whole no overtaking thing is a bit concerning because, you know, we don't know what's going to be like in Saudi Arabia if that track is actually going to be ready on time. You know, we're effectively two weeks away, a fortnight away from when the drivers are going to be doing their track walks and everything and then, you know, add an extra 24 hours to that free practice one the track is not ready yet um and you know you only kind of it kind of makes you wonder um what are they going to do to get everything ready where you know the human rights violations and labor rights violation um how many breaches are there going to be there before this track gets ready but anyway you know you've you've heard all about it i'm sure elsewhere and um seeing people post about it create uh raising the awareness and whatnot which is really good i'm really proud of proud of that um yeah it's it's not great <laughs> when you look at the we races one message and these next three races all in a part of the world where 
yeah, basic human rights don't exist for certain people, which is very, very sad. Anyway, so that aside, um, just, yeah, it is it is painful thinking about it and, and talking about it. Um, but with the championship, 14 points, as I said, 11 points between Merck and Red Bull. Bottas now mathematically ruled out of the championship as well, whether that was actually going to, that was actually part of this year's season part of this year's season that makes no sense part of this year's championship would you ever even thought that he would be in there and probably not but um yeah he's mathematically out of it anyway um in other news around uh though f1 um we had some rumors this week and to the point where a publication actually published that mclaren was bought out by audi and you know that story since has been flatly denied by mclaren they released a statement saying that it's not true um conversations are being had about you know potential investors for the future and shareholders but there is no sale so you know as i was saying before last week please no please not not let that be the case um you know if someone were to buy a mclaren as i said i would love it if it was you know similar way to when fiat bought out ferrari you know they they bought the the brand but leave the f1 operation on its own um let mclaren continue to build road cars or whatever as they are don't let them be swallowed up entirely by the big volkswagen audi group um, that would just be very terrible, yeah, because, you know, McLaren's such a passionate brand and a lot of passionate fans behind it if it was completely um, bought, up at, bought out by someone like Audi, then I'm sure there will be a lot of disappointment and sadness around. So not much has really come up since then in terms of that. Um, it would be nice to see, obviously, McLaren's financial future secure. And really, it's... For the current grid, you know, it's about surviving, I guess, the next year or two under this new cost cap to the point where they'll actually start making profit. And that's when, you know, I know that that's why people want to buy in right now is because they're going to get an immediate return on their investment in a couple of years time. Um, they don't have to really wait around for the long term. They can do it in the short term. And someone like McLaren will probably be like, well, you know, we don't want to sell out now when we know that in a couple of years' time, not only where will we be more competitive in terms of race wins and possibly even fighting for the championship, but as a franchise, we're actually going to be profiting as well um, on the bottom line. So, you know, let's just leave it at that. I love Audi as well in terms of their motorsport heritage and um, their pedigree in that respect. Love them in their sports car heyday and, you know, when they had the um, domination there in the in the 2010s, early 2010s there at Le Mans and the World Endurance Championship. But please do not buy out McLaren <laughs> um, and take over the entire team because that would be very sad. Uh Silly season news as well, it was kind of like the worst kept secret ever since that Alfa Romeo dealership in China pretty much announced it to the world, but Guan Yu Zhou confirmed as the Alfa Romeo second driver there next to Valtteri Bottas next year, um, not much to say really about that other than money talks in that respect, but good luck to Zhou, um, 
talking to a mate earlier this week about, you know, he was asking, what do you reckon Joe can do? Um, and I basically said, look, if he's good enough, he might not, not in his first year, but maybe in his second year might have like, have a season like Nicholas Latifi is this season, you know, and, you know, I don't think Latifi's a bad guy. I don't think Joe's a bad guy either, you know, um, it's just the stigma around them of, of, of being a pay driver and everything and allowing um, your financial, your financials and your bank statement to dictate whether you can be on the Formula One grid or not. But if Joe's good enough um, and he doesn't cave immediately, he could have a good second year like uh, Latifi has had. And really it's all about just building Alfa Romeo, the Sauber team, back to some form of being competitive in the midfield as well, which is obviously what they're going to be targeting for the short term. And then, yeah, you know, with someone like Bottas going there, you'd hopefully be thinking that they're going to be somewhere in the realm of podiums and whatnot um, in the future. So, but, you know, that's probably a long time away and we'll wait and see um, if, you know, Bottas will stick it out there or whether he can go somewhere else to see at the end of his F1 career and get some more results under his belt and finally Oscar Piastri um, will be Alpine's reserve and test driver next year too so it's um, sad in that respect that we won't see him do any kind of racing in the F1 or F2 front obviously if he wins F2 this year he can't do the F2 championship next year but whether Alpine can line him up doing something else um, sports cars would be great if he could get into the Alpine LMP program or whatever, the hype, if they're doing hypercars, I don't know, I haven't really followed WEC much this season, um, would be good to keep him race fit as well as bringing him along to all the races, and we'll be good to see him there at Albert Park next year as well for the Australian Grand Prix, um, even if it is in that reserve capacity, I'm sure there will be a lot of people chasing his signature and selfies as well, so yeah, other than that, um, yeah, we'll see how this weekend goes in Qatar. Back to the normal qualifying too. Won't be won't be sprint qualifying. Um, and quickly while we're on Qatar, you know, um, obviously Qatar well known for MotoGP and everything. Um, MotoGP finishes uh, has finished its season. So Ducati one two three there in Valencia with Peko Bagnaia winning from Jack Miller and um, Jorge Martin. So first time in Ducati's history they've been able to do that. And looking forward to next year and hopefully seeing. Ducati more in the championship there, but I think Valencia was more so about um, paying tribute and farewelling the great Valentino Rossi as well, of course, his final MotoGP race, he finished 10th, um, and yeah, just farewelling the doctor, because uh, yeah, you know, for people who've watched MotoGP ever since he came into the sport, that's, you know, what, 20, over 20 years of uh, racing, you know, that they've been following, and for some people, I mean, I think I saw one comment where it was like, you know, I've spent half my life watching Valentino Rossi race, that's not me, obviously, but um, some com some comment I have seen um, around the interweb, so congratulations, Valentino, and um, yeah, enjoy retirement, I hope we get to see you do some other racing, and especially something like the Bathurst 12 Hour, if he's keen for some GT three endeavors in the future and good to hear about the Bathurst 12 hour as well being shifted to February so yep 
already making um, plans to attend that one, I think. That's going to be really good. While we're on that subject, in that case, let's go to supercars as well. So the Sydney Super Sprint was the final set of sprint races in this 2021 championship. Thank goodness as well, because I kind of did get a little bit bored at the end of um, nine consecutive sprint races there at Sydney Motorsport Parks. So I almost fell asleep there thinking about and thinking about it. But they were good races in themselves, and I think this weekend or the past weekend, sorry, I should say, was a good um, was a good weekend. We saw Anton Di Pasquale. Um, excellent in race 26, beating both the Red Bull cars, you know, they opted for the four-tyre strategy over the two-tyre change that the Red Bull cars did, obviously takes more time in the pit stops, but ended up, you know, beating both of them on track, same thing in race 27, Anton goes back-to-back, just had the pace in that one and did really well, commanded it ahead of Jamie Winkup, but then you had this epic battle um, for third that was decided by 72 thousandths of a second, um, by literally a photo finish, and I'm sure, I think it was Neil Crompton in the commentary box who was uh, making a reference to the movie Cars as well, like Lightning McQueen versus Chick Hicks, at the end it was um, decided basically by Lightning McQueen sticking out his tongue, so Mostert beaten to the line by SVG in a photo finish, Will Davison again hung out to dry in that race, um, he basically I think came in earlier than everyone else to pit, and um, when it came to Van Gisbergen and Mostert charging at him at the end of the race there, he just yeah couldn't hold on, so you know, otherwise both the Shell V Power cars started on the front row in that one, but it was Anton who was able to go on and win that one, when will the win um, winless drought and all the drought of wins end for, for Davison. Who knows, will it be this year even, given that we only have three races left to contest in the Supercars Championship this year. Then the rookie, Will Brown. He was excellent in race 26 on Saturday. He got the podium in third, and another pit stop drama cost him that third anyway. So, you know, they've had three consecutive Saturdays um, Erebus where they've had dramas during Will Brown's pit stops but but a maiden win came for young Brown there in race 26 sorry race 28 on Sunday um, did well amongst the warring Red Bull cars who ended up falling behind at the end and that was great you know there was a little meme um, floating about where you see both the Red Bull cars in supercars, Van Gisbergen versus Win Cup, really just, you know, going at it, pushing each other off, you know, not really caring about track limits as such, and really just pushing each other off. And you've got Verstappen, who apparently, you know, this didn't happen, but like in the meme, he watches uh, this and says, gives me an idea for the next, uh, for when I race Hamilton. So, you know, um, that sort of thing in supercars, obviously not frowned upon us, too much as it is in F1, but then again, Michael Massey probably adopted that approach of let him race kind of thing, racing incident, yada yada, and um, that was that, yet, you know, in F1 circles, it's kind of frowned upon for that to happen, so, yeah, I'm not going to go too much into that turn four incident again anyway, but it was good to see the, um, the Red Bulls fight each other, and of course, didn't do well for the Red Bull management, obviously, in the garage, they were 
shouting at their drivers saying, look, you know, quit it, um, trying to keep them away. But, you know, they still came and finished second and third. But for Erebus and Will Brown, you know, finishing on the, not just finishing on the podium, but scoring the first win together as well. Important for Erebus, who've been really strong these past few rounds at Sydney Motorsport Park, and hopefully they can build on that for next year with what is essentially a completely new engineering lineup with their new drivers as well, two rookie drivers. So, you know, it's it's looking really good for those guys. Who it's not looking really good for, though, Tickford, unfortunately, because they ran into troubles in... Race 26 on Saturday, James Courtney being spun on lap one, and then with 11 laps to go, Jack LeBrock comes together with teammate Cam Waters. Um, Todd Hazelwood was involved in that incident as well, but the stewards did end up giving a penalty to LeBrock, whereas Waters ended up in the wall, and they did have to repair that uh, Monster Energy Mustang overnight too, and not um, really getting very good results. They've had the one podium, obviously, with Courtney in the last round, but otherwise it has been quite lean for Tickford coming to Sydney Motorsport Park. Um, it doesn't really fill me much... It doesn't really fill me with much hope for Bathurst either, considering how strong they were last year, um, with Cam especially dominating qualifying and then top 10 shootout, and then, you know, having that epic battle there with Van Gisbergen at the end um, and coming up second best. So, you know, a bit of soul-searching to go on for Tickford, I hope, um, that they can get their act together, especially going into Bathurst, because, you know, with the championship, possibly going to be decided this weekend um at the two 250k races um if van gisbergen has a 300 point plus lead coming out of this final sydney super night round then championship is his and it most likely will happen you know given red bull are quite strong in those um multi-pit stop races with fuel so yeah that's the important thing that changes this weekend is that instead of having those three sprint races we will have um two 250 kilometer races with fuel as well so refueling is back so yeah it could be decided this weekend i totally forgot that that was on the agenda when it came to um this final weekend uh, you've also got the Sydney Cup on the line as well, and that's a lot closer than what the actual championship is, sadly. But um, let's see, have a let's see what that looks like. And it is Van Gisbergen on the top of that too, but not too far behind is Deeper Squally by 43 points. But then you've got Win Cup, you've got Will Brown as well. Um, Davison 108 points behind. So you know, within that 300 points for the round, you've got. Um, it down to P9 with Scott Pye but yeah you would probably say it's more likely that top five or whatever that would um, be in contention and even really you know probably top four given how good Brown, Wincup, De Pasquale and, and SVG have been too so yeah that's all on the line got news as well that David Reynolds is coming back this weekend too so all his um, vaccination stuff has been sorted, so he'll be in the car this weekend. Um, originally, they did kind of announce that Matt Campbell was unfortunately not going to be able to make it in time for this weekend, and they would put Luke Yulden in for another um, round, which would have been good for him, as he's you know been getting better the last two weekends that he's done. But yeah, with Reynolds back um, and fully vaccinated or whatever, it is good that he can have a um, 
another round before they go into Bathurst together too. So, and crucially as well, you've got um, the co-driver test session as well um, heading into this weekend. So on the Friday, so um, whichever co-drivers are around, which I do expect most of them to be there, they will get some important mileage as well um, before Bathurst, which is only effectively two weeks away now. Yeah, we've got a break next weekend and then off to Mount Panorama. Indeed. Anyway, well, that pretty much wraps up this um, this show. So thank you very much for joining me. Um, you know where to find me on Twitter at Hit the Apex Media. Um, I always like giving a, a shout out to F1 Chronicle and the Grid Talk um, podcast as well. Great bunch of uh, people there. Great team. Do check them out. The link is in the description as always. Um, and yeah. Enjoy the Qatar Grand Prix this weekend. We'll be back next week to wrap it up. Ciao.